this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, your weekly source for all the game's news and other stuff, really. This is a supplemental episode on our Indie Game of the Year. So what we're doing with this one is we are actually comparing our top five list to Metacritic's top five uh, like highest rated indie games. Is that correct? Yeah, so basically what we did is we went in to Metacritic, uh, basically listed out the 2019 games and filtered through that and found the top rated games based on critics views not on uh personal reviews but critics views and then took the highest averaging indie games so we went through and just pulled out whichever games were indies uh there is one caveat with this list we did not uh, pick any games that were ports of games that came out in previous years. So things like, uh, I believe it was, God, what was the list? Divinity Original Sin 2 was on there. Yeah, so we had like Divinity and other, like uh, Cuphead coming to Switch. Like things like that we, we omitted because although those are great games, we felt it detracted from, you know, the 2019 indie games that were actually coming out this year for the first time. Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of just the fair way to do it. Otherwise, there are certain games like how uh, freaking Beat Saber keeps winning VR yeah, game yeah, of the yeah. year. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's still tough because I even like in my list, like when we get to it of our top five indie games of the year, uh, it's hard because there's some games where you're like it could still win now while it's in early access. Or people sometimes will say, oh, it can't until after early access. So it might win in both phases of time. Because that's kind of where like Slay the Spire came into. I didn't really put it because I technically, like it technically came out this year and I loved playing it for a whole bunch of time, but I played it a lot when it was in early access, which wasn't even this year. (laughs) So yeah, the early access thing gets a little weird because it can go both ways. Like it could be a game is not very good in early access, but then come out and review like very highly. Mm-hmm. Or it can go the other way where it comes out of early access and then it kind of eats balls. So <laughs> I, I don't really know. The early access period can help or hurt you. So that's kind of why I'm okay with the early access stuff getting reviewed twice. Because like, hey, it might change quite a bit and you never right. know. Right. So, that's very true. Versus ports is like, okay, that's an actual, like, finished version of the game that's coming to another one. Unless there's some sort of, like, large... Uh, like a Resident Evil 2 remaster kind of a thing. Like, that I would I would say is, yeah, you can definitely put that up as a nominee. Obviously, that's not an indie game, but something to that caliber of taking a port and then, you know, basically changing the entire kind of not really mechanics behind the game but just essentially the core entirely of it. different for the yeah. most part yeah yeah because resident evil 2 just made the game look better and i guess changed a lot of the mechanics changed a few things but that's not really what this is about this is our indie game of the year so 
First, we're going to go down Metacritics from their five to one of their top five uh, indie games of the year. And then we will give you ours. I've got a couple honorable mentions, but they're mostly just because I really like slacked off this year and didn't play enough indie games next year i'm definitely gonna like buckle down play more indie games i've already tried to do that like every weekend i've been playing more indie games so i think that's gonna be even harder especially in 2020 there's so many good full-fledged games coming yeah you think of like oh man doom is coming out animal crossing is coming out cyberpunk i I don't give a shit about (laughs) cyberpunk is coming out like uh watchdog uh, three is coming out. I'm really excited for that one. There's, uh, there's just so many good games. It's gonna be, it's gonna be jam packed. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be an amazing but really annoying year next year. <laughs> like this yeah. year wasn't exceptionally bad because there was kind of like long lulls where it was like, okay, cool. There's like this game that came out, but otherwise there weren't freaking jam packed. Like literally i think like the first six months in the year there's probably over 10 like triple a releases let alone indie games which is going to be a shitload sprinkled through there too so i'm actually really excited because we're going to be pretty busy and it's going to be pretty sweet (laughs) all right well let's jump into metacritic i should add something in real quick i am kind of sick so my voice is going to sound weird and i will cough I'm probably not going to edit it out because that's really annoying to go through and edit out (laughs) coughs and it takes forever to export but Yeah, just thought I'd warn you guys. So Metacritic's number five pick is called Sunless Skies. Now, if you don't know what this is, you're on the same page as us. We had no fucking idea what this game was. (laughs) (laughs) The description is sail the stars, betray your queen, murder a son. And that's S-U-N, not S-O-N. So a sun, like a star. Uh, Sunless Skies is a gothic horror role-playing game with a focus on exploration and exquisite storytelling for PC, Mac, and Linux. This game looks weird as shit. You ride around in a freaking like straight up coal train (laughs) in the sky. I don't I don't understand this game. I don't know. And it like we talked about it before the podcast. Uh the trailer doesn't give you much information to what you actually do in this game, but it seems to be really critically acclaimed uh to some extent. Obviously it's, you know, top 5 on the list, so that's uh a big thing. But also apparently this developer and uh and it was also self-published by Fail Better Games, they apparently had uh a prequel to this, which was um I believe Sunless Seas. Uh some people are saying that this one wasn't as good as the Sunless Seas, but it, it has a lot of the same uh elements that were great, and that was another very critically acclaimed one. So maybe it's something that I might look into, uh, especially because, you know, I've just went through that entirety of Disco Elysium and I'm looking for something else to kind of scratch that RPG itch. Um, but otherwise, I have no idea. If anyone knows this, like, hooray, it's top five. Yeah, at least for Meta, it got a, uh, they say on their Steam page, it got an 86 on Metacritic. So that's, I mean, I would say highly lauded. Uh, for their number two pick, Metacritic chose Baba Is You. We've talked about this one quite a few times. It's a puzzle game where you actually, instead of just standard, like, kind of putting blocks in holes or how typically puzzles are done, it instead, you, uh, I would say the best way to say it is you actually change the laws of the world that you live in. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, so it's it's very, very simplistic in uh, 
to kind of think of it a coding game um, because you're building logic that revolves around each level. So the basic premises of this is you have your character, which is Baba, and you know that because there will be a word, like a couple of blocks on the screen that says Baba is you. Now, if you change that and you move the you, then you'll essentially kill yourself unless you're moving another block in front of it. Maybe you put uh, the word rock in front of it. And then when you put that, that means that Baba is now the rock. <laughs> so now uh, basically any, time, any character that is Baba turns into a rock. And it, that kind of logic is used throughout the game to basically build out how you solve the level to ultimately win, which in the most basic levels, it is logic that's built out that says flag is win, which means you have to touch the flag, which you can then win once you touch that flag. So it seems very, very simplistic in that sense, but... As you go through, this is a extremely hard and challenging game, but it's super fun and amazingly satisfying when you get to be like, oh, I totally understand what to do here and actually solve the puzzle. Yeah, the best experience I had with Baba is You is one of the first few puzzles where it's like uh, flag is win, Baba is you, and then like rocks are stop or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I basically just moved it to where it was like rock is you and then just used the rock and went for the flag. Or like uh, I changed out, there are other ones where I've changed out like instead of flag is win, it's rock is win, and there's like 300 rocks around around the map. So Baba is You is a really, really cool puzzler i i personally a little bit of a spoiler i personally don't have it on my list because i'm a little dumb dumb and i'm not (laughs) very good at puzzle games it's a yeah it's a toughie that game like i i played through a lot of the levels and got through a good majority of them but honestly there's still like a lot of them out there that i was just like i just do not know what to do and i just had to put it down yeah, I've heard from a lot of people say that they've basically just like gotten frustrated with the puzzle, put it down, and then came back the next morning, and they're like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot, and immediately yeah. solved it. Yeah, it's it's very true, because it's just like, it's it's a whole separate way of thinking in a lot of ways. Like, your brain has to be conditioned to essentially learn this new language and to understand how different commands can work. That's why I say it's very close to programming language and how you create you know some amazing things just based on code it's you're rebuilding an entire world based on the logic that is given to you in these small subsets these levels it's really interesting yeah yeah i really i enjoyed bob is you but like i said i'm a little dumb dumb and i'm probably never gonna go back to it because i don't think i'll ever actually finish the game uh number (laughs) three on metacritic is unity of command 2 uh the description states unity of command 2 is a sequel to one of the most critically acclaimed strategy games of all time a game critics called the perfect gateway into computer war games i mean that doesn't say anything about what this game actually is it's just pretty (laughs) fantastic kudos to you uh who is it uh, two by two games. Two by two games, yeah, yeah, or and Crow Team, I guess. Crow Team, yeah, co-produced by them. Yeah, uh, this is another one of those where uh, I just don't really know anything about it, and this, unlike the Sunless Skies, is something that I have no interest in. I, I've just never been really much of a, a like this type of 
game genre enthusiast the turn-based war style just has never really sunk for me i don't really like a lot of war games in general but from a turn-based perspective it isn't my cup of tea but if you're into that sort of thing this is top three on the indie games list so you should probably check it out uh, it does take place, interesting enough, because they didn't put it in their description, it does, uh, Unity of Command 2 lets you take command of Western allies during the Second World War. So it looks like you're playing through mostly World War II battles. Hmm, interesting. So I if mean, you guys are fans of uh, of World War II and old history, I guess this is weird thing to say, isn't it? Uh, if you're <laughs> a fan a of fan World of, War II. I'm a fan of a lot of people dying. I don't know. You know it's people like, my thing. like collect memorabilia and they enjoy like a no, I kind of it. going it, over the history of World War II. Right, of course. It's just, it's still weird to say. Yeah, it's definitely weird. <laughs> it's an odd thing to say. Uh, this got a 89 on Metacritic based on their Steam page. Uh, the next game that we have on here is actually Slay the Spire. Ooh, I'm going to let you talk about this a lot more, Josh. <laughs> Because you love card games. Of course. I mean, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll stick with it. (laughs) I'm done arguing this point. (laughs) So Slay the Spire, I've talked about this to uh, some length on this show. Slay the Spire is basically a card game uh, dungeon deck building roguelite. So you're going up a spire. (coughs) You're choosing different directions that you want to go based on going towards an enemy uh, a mini boss fight an actual boss at the top there's event rooms so little question marks that you're not too sure what they could be there's treasure rooms there's a whole bunch of things and you're going through this and you essentially have a number of characters who have their own base cards that you start off with as well as relics which are their like abilities or little power-ups that you get and as you're going through the game you collect new cards you remove cards you get new power-ups and you try to build your deck to be the most effective and efficient as you're climbing up the spire and fighting enemies and your ultimate goal is to get all the way to the top and slay the spire super fun uh it's one of the most renowned like card building uh roguelite games as of now it's not the first for, uh, per se but it is one of the first that really spawned this style of gameplay and kind of pushed it into the right direction or i mean if you don't like this type of thing it pushed it into the direction that most of the card games are going nowadays um but i love it i'm glad it got top two it's in that weird spot where it's not personally on my list this year just because i played it all throughout 2018 when it was in early access, but I definitely do think it deserves the recognition it's getting. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Slay the Spire is made by Megacrit Games, and it got an 89 on Metacritic. And for Metacritic's last of their top five games, number one for 2019 is Disco Elysium. Uh, (laughs) This is by... Okay, do we yet know how to say this developer's name? Zaum? Is it Zaum? I don't it, know. <laughs> it's like Z-A-U-M. I don't know what it's actually supposed to be. Yeah, I should probably like just watch a video of someone doing coverage with them there. I'm sure they say their name. but That'd uh, be so funny if they got it wrong and <laughs> they just didn't correct them. Yeah, well, I don't know. Zaum is fine for now, I guess. Z-A- or slash um. Slash them. Slash them. Uh, <laughs> they got a 91 on Metacritic. 
So that's pretty big deal. A lot of people really, really enjoy Disco Elysium. Um, I personally still have not played enough of mm. this game because it's such a big game. I feel it like is. like a couple hours into it isn't enough to actually render a verdict on whether this game is good because like I said on our last episode, episode 62, I'm not having a lot of fun. I, <sighs> that's a shame. Like, I have played more and it kind of like, so I... Uh, I lowered my graphics setting because it's set to the max for some reason. I was like, okay. Made <sighs> load times a bit easier. Made nice. it a little bit lower. So it does seem like the load time issue was actually something to do with my PC. Okay. But it just, I, I don't really know. Um, it kind of has like these lulls where I don't necessarily know exactly what to do and what I want to do, I can't do. Mm. And it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, typically that is something that you, that, like a problem that comes along with role-playing games but what did you think about disco elysium because you played it a lot yeah so this is one of my favorite games of 2019 so uh disco elysium was an amazing game and i do agree that there are definitely parts or points where there is quite a, a a lull to it where I personally thought a lot of the story was really engaging, was really interesting, but then there were certain conversations with people where I would notice myself just skipping through it because I was like, ah, I don't really care for this character or I don't really care for where the conversation is going. So there was certain parts of that. But like for me, a lot of the interest in this game was around what it like I said what it really does for role-playing games so this was one of the first role-playing games where I was like okay I, I really get the under like the the idea behind I want to be this type of person in this game and really play that out so this is one of those things where I do eventually want to go back into Disco Elysium and just be just a, a crack addict like asshole throughout the entire game to just be like oh party party and just like go full into that because the game really gives you that options there's so many things that you could say in a lot of those scenarios and there's so many different ways that you can solve a lot of the the so-called puzzles of getting through this game and i really want to see i i had to kind of to keep myself from not going through and seeing if there are different endings or how it really can play into um, because I want to experience that for myself. Um, but I want to see if I am an asshole, more of an asshole, if I'll get, you know, a terrible ending or I won't get, and I won't spoil it, but something different that happens at the end for being uh, essentially a good detective. A good now, detective. So you went through being a shitty detective. I, that's what I want to do. I want to be a shitty detective. I went through the game kind of finishing everything. And at first, like it was one of those things where it's it's funny because it really plays into your, your mindset when it starts naming you. It starts defining you as a character based on your actions. So in the first part, in many RPGs, I usually try to be as nice as I can at the start of the game. And then I turn into an asshole. It's like a weird thing where I like it's easier to be nice at first because you then gain their respect. And then you get to a point where you can then be self-sufficient and then you're like okay now i can make any choices i want but in this game i started doing that and i was being nice as being nice and then it was like oh you're the apologetic cop because i just kept apologizing when people said things because i was this asshole at the start and i was like oh my god that's not who i want to be so i totally like anytime i saw something about apologizing i never use that again because the, the game made me conscientious of it which is like a weird thing that a game can do so i really 
appreciated the the weird like defining yourself as a person inside this game because you're essentially starting out as a blank slate because you wake up and you don't remember anything about your person and that builds this game into saying like you can be who you want because you're given a fresh start so to speak um I really enjoyed it. I do definitely understand that this might not be for everyone. I also understand that this is kind of something that you really need to be in the mood for to like to actually get into just because it isn't a game that's, you know, action packed. It is a a, a a story that you're going through, you're, you know, running back and forth, trying to test things out, trying to, to do different role checks to see if you can get, you know, closer into the story. There are parts where I was, you know, standing there and I was like, I don't know who I'm supposed to speak to at this part. And that's fine because like that also goes into the role of you being a detective. You have to figure out the case. No one's going to just lead you with an arrow to say, this is your next objective. So I did enjoy that element to it. Um, but that might not be fitting for everyone. I just want to punch that kid so bad. Kuno? Yeah, he's so <laughs> fucking annoying. <laughs> and then there's the kid over the fence. It's just like, hey, he's he's fucking touching him. And she like calls rape and stuff. And I'm like, what are you even doing? Fuck both of you. Yeah. Can I just punch these kids? They're crazy. I think you can do... S- I don't know if you can actually punch them. I've but- heard that you can punch Kuno. I think you might be able to. I know you can enlist Kuno. You can actually get him to like join you. Really? But, yeah. That <laughs> but kid's I, like a crack addict. Why I do you know. want him on your side? I don't know. I mean, eventually. I guess that's an informant. Huh? Yeah. Eventually he opens up a bit, but he's still always an asshole. <laughs> that kid, yeah, he's such a douche. I like. I started talking to him. Uh, over the weekend, I've tried to play more Disco Elysium, and I started talking to him, and I was like, God, this kid fucking sucks. Why do so many of these people fucking suck? Like the leader of the, the not the leader, the kind of manager of the hotel. I'm like, man, can I punch you too? There's just so <laughs> many people that are seriously punchable. Yeah. Have you gotten to, I think it was day three, like a mysterious, like this couple show up. I don't know if they're not really a couple, but it's like this one woman and a guy sitting down inside the, uh, the hotel on the the first floor no i don't think so is he punchable oh he is who the woman's not but the guy you yeah you talk to him and you're like you're just a dick there's nothing i can say that will like make you happy he's (coughs) awful i think i need to start building i need i think i need to start over and build into physique so i can just punch people you should i mean you could punch that giant bodyguard dude Ah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to retry again, and because yeah, I'm trying should. to be more of like an inquisitive detective, and I'm like, nah, dude. Nah, I just want to nah, punch nah. people. Just punch things, because it's actually really cool. Because I, like I said, I I save scummed, uh, and just constantly kept trying to punch that guy, and eventually I got it. And, oh, you uh, just kept doing the roll over and over again. Yeah, I kept doing the roll over because, and I had already I had already done it. Like I ended up taking it back because I just wanted to see. What had happened, I had already gone through a different way to get through the gate, but then I came back later and I was like, I'm just going to punch this guy. And so I went through it and I punched him and then I got the check and I was like, yes, I did it. And then it was like, all right, he's like, you caught him off guard, like go in for a punch again. And I was like, okay, cool. Punch him again. And then he like caught my fist and I was like, oh no, he still fucked me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This game is so weird and it has so many interesting little like 
little tidbits that I never would have guessed would happen. Like when I ran away and fucking double, like double flip that guy off and stuff like that. I feel like those just at the moment are few and far between, but I feel like I might just need to dig into that a little bit more, try to make a less intelligent character and just start doing some wacky shit and punching stuff. Maybe I'll like it a lot more. Yeah. I think there is a lot of, uh, really, (laughs) really interesting moments from playing that side and you can you can get to that because as you keep going through the game you get a lot more skill points that you can put into whatever you want and you can build out your character how you want and there's also different um uh skills or not skills but oh god i can't remember what it's called but basically you can study things and you'll get like passive abilities that will give you uh the is passive that like ab- the memory cap? Yes, the memory. Yes, the memories. Thank you. So those memories will give you those passive abilities that will either extend or give you extra points into a characteristic. Um, it's hard to know what it's going to give you, unfortunately. So you kind of just have to guess and or look it up. Um, but there's a ton of them. <coughs> that is what's really interesting about Disco Elysium and something that I really think should be praised is that you can come into this game and play it in wildly different ways from everybody else. And it, it can be like, it can seemingly there are multiple endings, so it can end up you being, I I don't know how it ends, but there's, (laughs) there's some amazing feats that happen in this game, depending on how you play it. And I really enjoy that because some people would just never see them. Uh, So I think we should move on to our number five. Would you like to go first? You do want me to, uh, let's go with you first. My number five is a game I talked about a while ago um, because I had just like started playing it when we first started kind of gearing up to do this indie game of the year. I went on and I bought a bunch of indie games on Steam that I thought looked really cool that I thought I would really enjoy. Um, And my number five is Reventure. I talked about it. It's the one where you collect endings, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really just enjoy that whole kind of gameplay loop of the entire point of the game is to collect these like hundred different endings to see the weird ass fucking ways that this game can end and like you can unlock multiple different characters depending on you find them like randomly just scattered or depending on uh like how i told you i got super old and then my brother showed up yeah, and yeah, I yeah. started to play as my brother. Just the weird stuff that can happen in this game. I uh, I base most of my list on games that I thought were fun and that I enjoyed the most this year. And I Makes would sense. have to say Revenger, Revenger was definitely up there just because it was so weird and quirky. And the jokes are so funny. And this world is just so obtuse. And <laughs> I, I, I don't really know why I like it so much um, because it's not like... It's not like this heavy action game or a character study or like heavy narrative. It's just kind of like it's a goober of a video game. It's it's just weird and it's fun to play. So that's why I put it at my number five because I felt like I really enjoyed it. But I didn't think it was like basically I didn't think it was the best game. There are other games I have on this list that I definitely think are better. Uh, what was your number sense. five? So my number five is, uh, you know. Big surprise. It is a card game. Ooh. Oh. It is SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamesh. I wish I would have played it, honestly. I it's, like I I've never been super into card games and stuff like that, but this one's obviously different and I really mm-hmm. like the SteamWorld series. 
Yeah, so I've always been a big fan of the SteamWorld series. More specifically, which is kind of strange, they're more off-brand. I've always kind of enjoyed Dig, but I've really loved uh, SteamWorld Heist. Yeah, SteamWorld Heist is awesome. Yeah, but I still I still love that atmosphere and the environment that they bring from these games, uh, specifically talking about the Image and Forum team. Uh, but SteamWorld Quest was really interesting because, one, it was such a venture away from kind of what this team has been working on. Uh, we've talked about them before. Image and Form are constantly doing, you know, uh, these different genres and working on different things that most studios normally stick to kind of one or two areas. But it's interesting that they took this leap of faith by saying, we want to work on a card game. And some people obviously weren't as enthusiastic about it, but I think they did it really well. It was a game that wasn't, like I, you know, it's my top five. It's not the very best game out there, but I really had a lot of fun with it. It has a good amount of replayability by doing a new game plus. It has an extremely hard mode, um, which I've talked about uh, a little bit before, and I was just a dum-dum and didn't put my items back on when I started the game. That's like my favorite story. He's <laughs> just like, nah, I'm just stupid. I forgot to put on my items. <laughs> um, but it was really great. There's a number of different characters in it. There's a number of different cards and variability to how you can play this game and fighting the enemies. I think the things that really kind of nicked it from not being top tier is the fact that the variations of enemies uh, there can be a lot of repetitiveness to it uh, just because they seem to reuse a good amount of assets and just kind of give them different colors uh, in the first you know area of the game and this might be different as you get farther and farther in from new game plus um, but I never really felt pressured to use um other characters uh, I kind of got set in my ways which happens a lot in RPGs but specifically with this I felt like there were characters that were too <coughs> kind of good to give up because it seemed almost impossible without that style of gameplay of shielding up and kind of turtling and then just attacking with one character um, but that being said, I still had a lot of fun with it. I love the combo system that they built out into it. I think it's a good story overall. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. Awesome, awesome. I'm definitely going to have to pick it up and try it out because I might not be a, like a massive fan of card games, but I love the art style in the world, the image and form make in their SteamWorld games, so it's really interesting. Plus the fact that they started off with a tower defense game, went to a Metroidvania, then went to kind of a, a more like tactical game with SteamWorld Heist, mm -hmm. and they've just gone from there and made these wildly different games. I did want to say, ReVenture, their developer is called Pixel Auto. It's Pixel and then A-T-T-O. I forgot to say that because I want to make sure that we kind of shout out the developers when we talk about their games, but... Uh, my number four is Minoria. It is that spiritual successor to uh, to Momodora, Reverie Under Under the Moonlight. Mm -hmm. um, I've played it a lot more recently, and I really, really enjoy it. I've gone to multiple areas. I've seen multiple bosses and noticed my biggest issue with it initially was, of course, that whole running into enemies damages you thing. Which doesn't right. end. That just happens. And I've noticed, <laughs> like, now that I'm more critical of it and that started to annoy me a lot more, I played a couple other games and I'm like, okay, this is just a staple that is definitely annoying. Like, I was <laughs> playing The Messenger and it happens in there and I'm like, ah, fuck this, dude. This is real annoying. But I guess some, 
it makes sense because some creatures in that game just walk around. Yeah, they don't but, attack. They're just there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Minoria is a 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania uh, from the developer Bomb Service who made the Momodora series. I believe it's only one guy, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something like D-Read. I, I'm not 100% sure on that one, like I said. Uh, but this one is a big graphical overhaul from what we've seen in the Momodora games before where like the first three Momodora games are these kind of like lower poly games they were they were like probably 8-bit versus Momodora Reverie Under Moonlight was more of a 16-bit much more like heavily weeby game and then you come into Minoria which is this spiritual successor which is, isn't pixel art at all it's more of this kind of like hand drawn kind of a, like a hand painted it's really interesting I don't exactly know how to explain this art style but it's hmm. completely separate but keeps some of the older uh kind of callbacks to the Momodora series where you play as um, instead of in Momodora you play as like a shrine maiden in this one you actually play as like a battle nun and it's really really cool um, she's an interesting character she doesn't talk that much but when she talks and like when they she interacts with these other characters and you learn more about the world and how she became what she is the world seems more darker and grim and it doesn't seem as straightforward as I thought where it's initially kind of like you're this nun who these witches come and myrtle all these nuns and you're meant to kill all these witches and like burn them at the stake because they're these dark beings and they summon these creepy creatures and shit like that but it seems much more than that where you start to hear the backstory of how these like how these people become nuns and it seems like i've at least seen some offhand talk from different characters that they are like in a way abducted they aren't like then don't willingly become them they are chosen to become them. And it's really weird, but I really love the kind of subtle storytelling that exists within these games. Um, The combat is a lot of fun, and I just enjoy kind of the world building in general. Plus, I'm a big fan of Metroidvania games, so much so that I talked to Josh the other day, and I was like, I wish Steam would filter for Metroidvanias. And then you linked to me where it does, and I was like, fuck. Now I'm just going to have to buy these fucking games. (laughs) Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that then. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I was like, fuck, my wallet hates you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it was funny how quick I did it, too, because you said it, and I was like, I'm pretty damn sure there is. It was literally within, like, five seconds, I swear. Like, you you just, like, I swear you were on Steam, and you're just like, fucking bitch, I'll show you. I'll like, show you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Minoria, really good game. It continues to have kind of those fan service and weeby elements while it's got also them jiggly boobs. Yeah, it's got the jiggly boobs. Uh, <laughs> while also being this more darker, grim world full of these kind of grotesque creatures. And like I've said before, um, I said not i believe in our last podcast that it didn't seem to have a lot of enemy diversity where it comes to like what they look like but now that i've seen multiple areas you you still see those enemies like sprinkled in um which is really annoying but there is a larger diversity of enemies which i really really enjoy because they continue to do different things which is something that i love about metroidvanias uh what is your number four big josh boy my number four is Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Ooh, no way. Yeah, yeah. So I was so doing this was actually pretty tough. I wasn't really too sure because the problem with top five indie games is like there was a good amount of indie games out there this year. Um, 
But I took a look at kind of where, and specifically I ended up reviewing this because Platonic Games was nice enough to give me a review copy. Um, But this game specifically was such a good homage and was such a step in the right direction in comparison to the initial ukulele that actually presented itself to be very uh respectful in the same way that they're older games because these are developers who used to be part of rare and worked on the donkey kong country games and it felt so close (laughs) to that style of gameplay it felt so close to you know having that really tight platforming aspect it had those levels that you'd play the first couple and you'd be like oh this is kind of easy and then it would get to the later levels and you'd be like oh no this is actually a good amount of challenge there you know you have to keep trying and you have to do different things and then you get to the impossible layer and that's actually a hell of a boss run of going through um trying to actually complete that level so i think they did it really phenomenally and i love the way they had an overworld outside of the levels you played that made you complete little puzzles they weren't anything crazy but i enjoyed interacting with the world and manipulating the environment around you to change how the levels played out so what i mean by that is you would have the initial level that you played in the water and it was basically this book where you would walk up to it's in a like a lake And then you'd start the level and it would be an underwater level or there would be a lot of water in this level. Like you would be on platforms that are on top of water. Whereas you go back to the overworld and you run around and you find a way to essentially freeze the lake that that book is in. And then when you get into the level again, now the entire world, all of that water is frozen. And so it completely changes the dynamic of how you have to play in that level. So I think what they did was really smart. It made it so it wasn't cheesy where it was just like, oh, you know, now there's ice cubes in this world. It would be like, no, the platforms are different because you have to slide, you have to go about the world differently they might do ones where it's like completely opposite and you're being chased by something versus a level you already played where you went normal and you didn't have any of that you know stressful part to it so there was a lot of variation there was a good amount of um you know just the actual elements from that gameplay that were just so spot on uh i'm still not in love with the ukulele franchise just from its characters so to speak but i think that this is the first one because the first one didn't really do anything for me but this is the first one of the series that i'm really like okay if these are the type of games they're going to produce i'm definitely on board i'm gonna be honest i've always thought that yuka and Laylee were way cuter than banjo and kazooie I mean, cuter maybe, but they're just, and this, this could be just a nostalgia thing for me because I was a huge fan of the Banjo and Kazooie series. Um, but Yuka and Laylee, they just, I don't know. I just don't find them interesting at all. I'm not really too crazy about their character. And I think it's just because they are Banjo and Kazooie, essentially. They're trying to be like the same personalities. So to me, it's just like, well, you're not who you're trying to imitate and I'd rather you just be two totally separate, unique identities. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a good point. Um, so let's move on to our number three. My number three is something that I think Josh and I actually disagree on, especially mm-hmm. because we both reviewed this game, I believe, but is this I got a Roboto. Num- yes. Yeah. yeah. It's got a Roboto. 
<laughs> I chose Gato Roboto from Doinksoft. Uh, I think it's a great Metroidvania. I really enjoy his pixel art. Um, it's a lot of fun. It does have, it's only like, I believe, probably like four to eight hours of gameplay, but that is some I... really, really good gameplay that I really, really enjoy. A caveat with that. It's four to eight hours if you want to like collect everything, because I ended up beating that in like two hours and 50 minutes, yeah, I think. Yeah, you can beat it pretty quickly. Uh, it, you. Yeah, it is pretty cheap as well. So yeah, that's, that's true. That's also pretty nice. Um, I just really enjoy that world, and I love its like enemy diversity and how weird and quirky and funny it is quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, I put it above Minoria just because I... I believed that its gameplay and its kind of like its its platforming is much tighter and I enjoyed yeah. its characters a little bit more and thought it was and this is going to sound bad because of how much I enjoy Minoria but I believe it's just kind of a better Metroidvania than hmm. what Minoria is. Um I really enjoyed God of Roboto. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was super weird and quirky and just kind of hilarious at times. I did have issues with it. That's why it is lower on my list. Um, mainly being that you can't like really skip dialogue. So you would mm-hmm. have to, well, you can, but you kind of have to just sit through the same conversations over and over again, mainly because the boss battles I felt were just such a large departure spike. from the rest of the level. They were so much harder. Such a spike in difficulty. It was yeah. pretty crazy. I mean, granted, I think it's it it was probably harder in the first couple of bosses and then after that they they toned it down a little bit but the initial like shock of going from a level where you're like cruising through to the boss battle being just like oh my god i really have to be very you know on point with with like dodging the attacks and actually getting my attacks in it was quite a big difference but I definitely... especially when it like makes you choose a new vehicle like when you do the submarine yeah. you go through the whole level in this submarine but overall you don't have a whole lot of familiarity with that versus your just standard robot suit and then there was that one boss where you had that, to keep getting out of the suit yeah use yeah. turrets and i'm like okay this yeah, is so weird like it was interesting, but it was just so annoying at the same time. Yeah, I was like, when you're out of the suit, it's a one-hit KO, so you're like, oh, God, I got to keep running. Yeah, and also the whole point of a Metroidvania is to gather like these awesome upgrades and then slowly become stronger and stronger. And then in Gata Roboto, it's like, yeah, but like then you're just going to ditch them and fucking bum around in a submarine. Yeah, I mean, that is a very good point. And I also, to the same token, I slightly disagree with it being a, a, a great metroidvania that's not a hit on it being a great game i really loved gato roboto i think it was super solid and it was a great playthrough even if it is short um <laughs> just because there's a lot of uh there's a great experience to be had from playing it it is very quirky it is very fun it's very snappy in the movements of it and i think you know that's a solid part to it but from a metroidvania perspective of like having to actually go back and collect things i don't think that was pushed very hard in the game i often felt like it was very linear at times um, that is a good point i wasn't i didn't 100 percent think of that right now mm-hmm. until right now but I still think it's an amazing game. Like it, it still does, you know, deserve a spot. And it was one that I even considered of putting on my top five list. But uh, I just ended up picking different ones. All right. So what is your number three? My number three is what the golf. 
Oh, that's actually my honorable mentions is What the Golf. Because <laughs> I didn't play it and I really wish I did because it seems so cool. Oh, man. What the Golf is an amazing game. And it's not... Uh, so if you're not trying to like perfect everything, you can run through it and it doesn't take too long. But the way What the Golf works is it's essentially... The tagline is it's a golf game for people who hate golf. Um, it works as a golf game where <laughs> usually the main objective is to get your ball from one side of you know the green to the actual flag. It's not like getting it into the hole because you just have to hit the flag that's sticking out of the pole, so that's a little different. But it starts off in this like really hilarious way where it's very simple. You hit the ball, whatever. But when you go to swing, instead of the ball going, now all of a sudden it's you shooting out as the golf club. And so every time you swing, it's essentially the power of the golf club going forward. And then the next level is like you as the person getting smacked ahead and you just like ragdoll physics a person towards the actual flag. And then it gets even crazier where it's like you're teeing off a house and you're just moving across a giant city and you're trying to get the house into like the right area because you're moving your house. So it's all these different elements that are just like so wacky and so creative. And then what it does halfway through is it's just like, okay, we're going to also just be a bunch of different genre games that you know and love so all of a sudden it's what the golf turns into super meat boy and you're playing a platformer but with that same mechanic of golf of like swinging and using powered shots to move the golf ball uh then you're playing super hot you're playing uh mario you're playing all these different types of games that just make no sense but fit so well and granted it's it has certain games that did feel a little uh little bit of a like nah, that didn't work as much and you kind of run that risk when you have so many things but there were so many times where i was just laughing out loud having such a great time it is definitely a game that i would recommend to anyone because it is so zany and so clever at the same time that <coughs> it's hard not to see it and enjoy that game I love that one of the tags for what the golf, like uh, how they do the popular user defined tags for this product. One of them is intentionally awkward controls. Yeah. I mean, and it's very true. Uh, by the way, uh, pointing out the actual developer, their name is Triband, and they're uh, pretty cool people. Actually, they're uh, they have their own Discord for what the golf, and they're also taking requests and trying to find out, you know, what they want, and they're working on DLC for new. Uh, parts of this of like what type of genres and what type of games you would want to see done in a what the golf manner and i love it i can't wait to see what comes next from this team for the dlc or what the golf 2 whatever that is have you seen their like uh so you know how you can click on their like steam profile and they have like lists and stuff like that they have one that says golf games and you click on it and it's like subnautica greece below like all these <laughs> freaking doom like all these weird ass games they're so odd i love at the end of their trailer they say like golf is boring help us fix it yeah it's it's so smart like i really love it 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 was one of those uh like i never even really anticipated to play this i didn't know much about it i ended up getting 
uh, an email through, God, who was it? The one from uh, Greg Miller's wife. Pop Agenda. Uh, Pop Agenda, yes. So I got an email from Pop Agenda about it, and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Like, I had no idea what it was about. I watched the trailer, and I was like, this is weird. And I just, I could not put it down. I ended up playing it, like, as just a late night kind of a thing, checking it out. And I just went through so much of it just because I had such a good time. Yeah, I really want to play it. It's definitely, like, on my short list of games I have to play before, you know, I spend even more money on video <laughs> games. Uh, so, moving on to our number twos. My number two is actually Outer Wilds. Ah. Um, I really enjoy this game. It doesn't. It's not super gameplay heavy, but it's just the experiences I've had within the Outer Wilds. Fuck, just Outer Wilds. It's not the Outer Wilds. That's a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I even wrote it on my paper as the Outer Wilds, and then I like crossed out the because I was like, that's not it. Nope. Um, it's just so amazing and beautiful at times. And it's so interesting how lonely space can be, but how interesting it can be at the same time. Mm -hmm. And just going through here and trying to figure out why this like universe is exploding and all of these weird things like the brambles and like shooting. Like when the, I was talking about how I came across that kind of like bramble weed and mm -hmm. shot my probe inside of it. And it turns out there's a camp inside of it, which is like a pocket dimension. There's so many weird things going on in this game that really makes me wonder like how all of it fits together in that kind of ambiguous nature that this game has makes me enjoy it that much more it's just so weird and interesting at the same time plus this has some of the best visuals i've seen in a game like ever there's certain ones that are just super creepy kind of like hauntingly beautiful Hmm. there's certain experiences I've had in this uh, that I've had in this game have just kind of like really set it apart. Most games that I've played this year. Yeah. It's a shame that, I mean, like I've heard so many good things about it. I really just don't think it's going to be something that's for me. So I never picked it up, but I definitely know that people love this game. It's very interesting to say it, like to say the least. Uh, I should point out it is developed by Mobius Digital, but yeah, I feel pretty much the same way that it's definitely not for everybody. It's It makes sense that it hasn't, like, I, I don't know, the ones that are based on majority rule, I think it makes sense that it hasn't won a whole lot of awards, mm -hmm. but this game is really, really good. I feel like it's kind of the same as, like, Disco Elysium, where I appreciate it so much for what the game is and what it does. Um, right. but you can't exactly like recommend it to everybody. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what is your number two? So my number two is risk of rain two. Ooh, that's in my honorable mentions as well. Nice. I have not played it because <laughs> you're a bitch. Uh, <laughs> so risk of rain two, I've talked a lot about this game over the year now. Uh, I love it. It is so super fun. I honestly haven't put, uh, I've probably put like 40 hours or so, which for such a endeared game and game that I love is very low, but it's just because my friends won't play with me just because I pushed them to play so much for so long. But the good thing about this game is it's an early access and they have a great roadmap where they keep pushing out a ton of content. So every time new content comes out, I'm always like, look, new stuff. We got to play again. And it's great. Every moment is great. I love it. It's got a obvious repetitive loop, 
because you are essentially a character uh, out of a number that you could pick who has certain abilities and you're literally just trying to kill enemies on the screen for this world that you show up to. You go to randomly generated levels, uh, not randomly generated, excuse me, randomly picked levels. And enemies will randomly spawn, you'll kill them, you'll get gold, you'll buy power-ups that are sitting inside the level. You'll then, when you feel ready, start the final boss of that level. And you'll kill the boss, you'll get power-ups from them, you'll uh, loot the area to try and open any boxes with the remaining gold you have, and then you'll go to the next level. And it's basically that just over and over again for as long as you can make it (laughs) until you die. And then once you die, you do it all over again. But it's just so fun and so uh, exciting each time going through and picking the different character and trying to get the the power-ups that you want because they're all very random as to what will come in different chests and what's shown and uh, different item boxes that you can use. Uh, 3D printers are basically in the game, which what they mean by that is it'll show you the item that it will 3D print and it'll take a random one from you and just exchange it for that item that's shown. So there's all these different uh, random things that can happen in your run that can change the run up. And there's also uh, these different portals you can go to to fight special bosses. Every minute that you're in the game, it gets harder and harder. So it constantly is a time pressure of like, do I want to go fast enough to not pick up all the power-ups because I need to get to the next world to get to the next boss before they get harder and harder. So it's it's a balance that you have to take and you have to learn your characters and understand how to play them and what power-ups are good for them. And it's just, it's a great game. Uh, it's a, up to four people in your party. I think it's such a fun time. It's so hectic. I love it. And I can't wait to see all of the new updates that come out because they're constantly just rolling out more and more things to it. Yeah, there's also something to be said about how large of a departure from a gameplay and art style perspective this game is from the original Risk of Rain from this like 2D action, like action platformer roguelike to like this fully 3D and really, really beautiful kind of like. I don't want to say open world. It's like kind of like sandboxes, right? You, yeah. you still run around in small areas. Yeah, it's it's small, very open areas that you go to. Some of the world maps are much bigger than others, um, which is kind of an issue in certain cases if you don't have power-ups that make you go faster by then because it can be a slog to get through them. But um, I guess it's Hapu Games is how you say them? Yeah, H-O-P-O-O. Yeah, Hapu Games, originally they did Risk of Rain 1, and it was just that 2D kind of platformer game, which had the same elements to it. It had a lot of the same characters. It has a lot of the same power-ups. Certain ones had to change, obviously, because pushing this game to 3D makes things a lot different than just a side-scroller type of game. But it's the same basic mechanic and core ideals in the game and it was just pushed even further when i first saw this came out because it was kind of like there were leaked images of it before and i was like oh that looks crazy is that risk of rain like what are they doing when it came and they just kind of shadow dropped it i was ecstatic it was such a crazy time to go into this and play this game and i love what they've done it definitely was a departure but it was i think such a smart move on their part yeah, I'm really excited to eventually purchase this and play with you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bitch. <laughs> it is on sale right now. I'm thinking about getting it. Uh, so, let's move on to our number one pick. And I gotta, like, <clears throat> clear my throat, because 
I had like something in there. Um, that's gross. Number, yeah, I gotta make sure everybody knows it. Um, nice. And just in case you can't hear it in my voice, my number one pick is by uh, Adam Robinson. You, and this is a short hike. Wow. I, it's, it's definitely not one that I thought I was going to put at number one. I was. I've been playing it over the past like week or so. It's a very short game, similar to Gato Roboto. It can easily be beaten under four hours. Like if you just like Gato Roboto, if you want to collect everything and do everything in it, um, like the parkour courses and meet all of the different people and kind of like uh, finish all the quests that are in the game you can easily spend up to like four hours, five hours, whatever. But otherwise, if you just want to get up to the peak, which is basically the, what your objective is, is to just get to the peak and call your mom. Um, once you do that, it could be done easily within just like a couple hours. It's not like maybe two hours at the, I would say probably an hour actually at the fastest, if you know where these golden feathers are. But I just think it's so fun. The characters are so interesting. And like I've said before, it's got this really interesting art style where it's like so ugly that it's cute. It's <laughs> It like hurt my eyes for a while, but once they adjusted, I grew to really, really love it. It has all these like anthropomorphic animals, which I've never enjoyed in the Animal Crossing series, but mm-hmm. for some reason, they really like get me in this one and they're really interesting. The characters can be so weird at times. Uh, there'll be like... I came across these two characters that were part of like this supposedly national like rock climbing league. But then mm-hmm. you're like, there's only two of you. And she's like the national rock climbing league. It keeps trying to really push it on you that they're this national league of rock climbers. It just has so many interesting characters. And then once you get to the top and actually kind of get the kind of like crescendo to this story and you find out why exactly that your character wants to call her mom, it's not because she's lonely at this kind of summer camp. It's for an entirely different reason. It really kind of got me, let alone the fact that there's this beautiful visual at the end of it where you see this amazing like Aurora Borealis. And it's it's so awesome. And yeah, I, I honestly... I kind of struggled for a little while on whether or not I wanted to put this as my number one, but I thought back to it and this is a game that I've probably had the most fun with and it's just fun. Like there's only one thing that I could really say is like negatively detracts from this game is that it sometimes has these obtuse and weird camera angles that you can't move that well (laughs) that it uses purposely to try to hide chests and other things from you but Uh once you kind of figure it out that's probably the only thing i say is actually an issue with this game it's got a low play time but it also has an extremely low price so everybody can get into it and i honestly really really love it i think everybody should check it out it's a lot of fun Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, maybe I will actually check that out. I'm surprised it's at the top one, but that's awesome. Yeah, I was honestly surprised too. I thought I was going to put probably some sort of like Metroidvania, but then I was just like, this game, I've honestly had probably the most fun at just doing nothing basically, just going around and climbing up this this building, <laughs> and or not a building, it's a mountain. Two entirely different Close things. enough. Yeah. They're like <laughs> the same. These erect structures. Um just kind of like climbing up them and finding coins so that I can purchase these feathers from this kid who actually just needs the money because he doesn't have money to pay for tuition. It's kind of like, it's, 
the reason that I have it at my number one is mostly because it's so chill and serene and the music is so awesome. It has this mixture of different things like chip tunes and at times bongos and mm-hmm. other instruments. It's really interesting and it slowly gets like faster and louder as you move up the mountain. And these characters are just so interesting and weird and quirky at the same time. Uh, some can be like huge a-holes that are actually somewhat endearing like the guy who sells you all the feathers and totally scalps you or others that uh, there's one that builds these parkour races because she or he or she I'm not they I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what the gender of this bird is but um, they didn't get the chance to actually sign up for this marathon that's going on so this like bird just sets up all these weird ass parkour courses for you to run with it's just kind of a mixture of all of these things that made this game so much fun to play and makes me want to go back and play more just so that I can collect more feathers and I can experience more of these side quests that I probably haven't even like I I don't think I've met like probably half of the people on this island and they're some of the most interesting characters I've seen in a while with the exception of it's like how interesting you can be within like an hour or so once you get their quest done they pretty much don't talk to you a whole lot after that but Hmm. you know but I'd recommend everybody play it's a lot of fun Uh, what is your number one so my number one, we've already talked about a lot. It is Disco Elysium. I kind of figured. I knew it was going to get a shout out like as a number one. So I, yeah. I didn't feel too bad about not including it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've already gone all like head over heels for this game. It's just, it was such an enthralling story. I sink, <laughs> like sank so much time into it. I enjoyed it so much. It definitely, like I said, is not going to be the game for everyone, but uh, I mean, me and Metacritic, we know what's up. Yeah, yeah, number one for both of you guys. That's what it goes. Uh, But no, I mean, I definitely, I can't wait to see, like, what happens next, because apparently this was a story that was written for, like, years and years, so I don't know what really comes from the studio after this, because it might take them a long time if it's the same, you know uh kind of care and love they want to put into it but if it's something similar to this you know pedigree of quality then i'm i'm you know i'm with them (laughs) yeah that is something nice that i feel like i actually know i was gonna say i feel like gamers are willing to wait when they know something's gonna be really good when they have a proven product actually i feel like that's somewhat right they're like for the yeah. most part willing to wait with the exception of like 30 years or whatever like people are really annoyed with Phil Fish because he didn't like put out Fez for a while but that is also because that was his like first kind of debut game right. so I I kind of get it but yeah I would honestly um I'd expect a lot of people to wait for the kind of the sequel to Disco Elysium or whatever spiritual successor comes after this because it seems like people really love it like I said I don't think I've played enough of it to really get a grasp of how amazing this game is. So that's why I left it off my list because I didn't want me including it to just be kind of hollow. Like, oh, I think this game's great, but I don't know yet because (laughs) I've only done a few things. So I thought it was really fun um, what I played, but I feel like it starts off pretty slow. And Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I need to just grind out for a little bit and kind of make the character that I want. And I think the game will start to get a lot better once I do that. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, do you want to do any of your honorable mentions? 
Yeah, I will let you guys know. I have quite a few honorable mentions, mostly just because I have not played a lot of them, which I feel bad about. I'm going to play a lot of these games. There's so many games. Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about them in the coming years as I spend these like weekends playing indie games and everything because I want to get to each one of these. Uh, So the first one I have on here is Blasphemous. I really want to play it. It's a 2D kind of like for lack of a better word, souls like Metroidvania where you play, yeah. I believe the penitent one It's kind of this weird, like dark Gothic world that is super gross and interesting <laughs> at the same time. I want to play it a lot, but I suck at video games. So it's probably going to kick my ass and it's going to take <laughs> me forever to finish it. Like hollow Knight. Maybe. Um, another honorable mention I have is disco Elysium. I'm not going to reiterate. I just haven't played enough in, I, I'm definitely going to. Uh, the next one I have is actually Astro Near. It was an early access uh, on 2016, but its er, its initial release date was actually on February 6, 2019. Um, mm. I've looked at it and I've thought it looked really, really interesting. I love its art style and that kind of like weird, cute survival game is something that I'm I'm into. I do enjoy survival games, but uh, I've been wanting to check it out for a while. Also, if you guys want to know more about it, Noclip did a really good documentary with the team from Astroneer. It's kind of mm. a sad story if you actually listen to it, but I definitely mm. recommend it. Um, another one I have is My Friend Pedro, Blood Bullets and Bananas. I just didn't <laughs> play it. The game looks no. amazing. I believe it was developed by a single guy. Um, it, I was kind of in love with the way it treated combat for a while. It was kind of like this 2d matrix matrix X game, but I just never got around to playing it. Um, the next one is what the golf. I think that <laughs> game looks amazing. I just haven't played it yet. I, so I really want to cause of how weird it is, but eventually I'll get to it. Uh, another one is on your list. Risk of rain Two. honorable mm-hmm. mention. Haven't played it looks great i think the characters look so much cooler like i i'm a massive fan of pixel art i've deemed myself to pixel whore like i love (laughs) pixel art so much um but i honestly think the art style and the way the game looks in risk of rain 2 is just a huge leap from risk of rain it's just it looks amazing and i'm super excited to actually get into it um the next one i have is after party like I said, I have a lot of them here because I just haven't played enough. After Party, I have played some of. I just haven't played a lot of it, but I do really, really enjoy it. I wish I would have played more before we did this. Um, but I feel like some of the technical issues that it has kind of took me out of the world anyway. So I don't know if it necessarily would have landed on my top five, but mm-hmm. definitely within a top ten uh, after I play more because that game's awesome. Uh, then I've got, and I'm going to go over these two real quick, Creature in the Well and Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling. Just haven't played them. Um, Creature in the Well looks really interesting. I love that it's a, like a new take on pinball, similar to, uh, like Yoku's Island Express. I think that, uh, like kind of taking these older gameplay genres and mixing them up into these new weird ways is really interesting. I just haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, you played Creature in the I, World, right? You yeah, really I played it. it. I was not uh, for it. I just, and it was basically just me being bad at it. Um, but That's the, like me with every game, dude. I mean, yeah, well. Welcome to the party. <laughs> feels nice. Uh, yeah, I didn't really click with the controls. I tried both on keyboard and controller, and it just felt awkward, and I couldn't really get it to 
like click with me. So I just didn't keep going. Yeah, I could see how it'd be super weird, especially because like pinball is this static position where you just try to make sure the ball like goes up and you get points and it doesn't go between the two pins versus like creature in the well, you move around and you've got different swords to like slash and hit back and stuff. Mm-hmm. It it seems like it's pretty complicated. So I, I think bit. it looks really cool. Uh, bug fables. Man, I just like those bugs, dude. It was, <laughs> it was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It looks awesome. Yeah, I think the characters look cool. I like that world a lot. Um, that what you've said is a Paper Mario aesthetic. Pretty I much. think looks really beautiful, even though Mario's an a-hole. So I'm just going to call <laughs> it a paper aesthetic. Ah, um, yes. So yeah, I think those games look amazing. Those are all my honorable mentions for right now. Of course, there's probably more out there just because I haven't played enough games. But uh, that's definitely going to change in 2020. I'm going to play a lot more games, freaking AAA and indie, because there's just so many, dude. Yeah. But don't worry, I'm not going to talk about the AAA ones on here. <laughs> I mean, you might. Yeah, you never know. Uh, That's it for this (laughs) special one-off episode of our Indie Game of the Year. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Just kind of a roundup, we, uh, Metacritic had Sunless Skies as number five. Number four is Baba's You. Number three is Unity of Command 2. Number uh, two is Slay the Spire. Number one is Disco Elysium. For me, it is number five, Reventure. Number four, Minoria. Number three, Gato Roboto. Number two is the, fuck, just Outer Wilds. It's not the Outer Wilds. Just <laughs> Outer Wilds. Uh, and number one is a short hike. And what were your top five? So number five is SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh. Number four is Ukulele and the Impossible Lair. Number three is What the Golf. Number two is Risk of Rain 2. And number one is Disco Elysium. Awesome. And that rounds out our episode for our Indie Game of the Year 2019. I'm super excited to see how 2020 uh, comes for us. We have plans to do more things depending on how the year goes. I'm super excited to see how this podcast continues to change. More and more people keep listening. That's amazing. Spread the gospel of indie games. Play more (laughs) indies do all of that especially in 2020 because i know they're gonna have some freaking gigantic like competition in triple a yeah. so yeah it's gonna just be play real, some more indies <laughs> it's gonna be really tough to get coverage <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be hard uh thank you guys so much for listening if you guys would like to chat with us outside the show you can follow me at hide legion on twitter that's h-y-d-l-e-g-i-o-n uh you can follow the podcast at indie pod it's pretty easy it's just i-n-d-i-e-p-o-d you can follow josh at the underscore george 90 also pretty easy you guys can uh if you'd like to for our main episodes we do random questions you can send in your questions on a twitter thread that i post every monday on the indie pod account or you could just email us at uh it's indie incursion podcast at gmail.com hit us up there also if you're developers listening to this feel free to reach out to us there uh maybe get you on the podcast maybe we'll talk about your games on the podcast all sorts of stuff but this is, uh, I don't think it's actually going to be our last episode of the year, is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it would it have is. to be. Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah. This is our last episode of the year. So thank you guys so much for listening to Indie Incursion for more than a full year because our actual, like, begin date was, I believe, sometime in November. So, mm, yeah, something like that. It's been a little bit over a year. That is pretty amazing. Thank you guys so much for listening to Indie Incursion for a year. And I'm super excited for the next year. Thank you guys. Uh, and I hope you guys have a great week. I'll see you guys next time, I guess. I don't I don't remember how I end these. <laughs> see you guys next year.